If we look at our solar system, we've got our Sun in the middle, which is first orbited by Mercury, then Venus, our little blue planet, then Mars, the asteroid belt, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, formerly known as a planet. Now, if we compare the innermost rocky planets, Mercury, Venus, and Earth, it would make logical sense that the closer you are to the Sun, the hotter the planet should be. And yet, it's not Mercury that's the hottest. It's Venus, even though it's almost twice the distance away from the Sun as Mercury is. Cue the music, Carlos. Welcome to Viable Underdogs, where we try to teach you some cool stuff and hopefully encourage everyone to become a bit more sustainable. My name is John, with me as always is our technological expert, Carlos. This is episode number two. Today we're chatting about a brief overview on greenhouse gas emissions, and we'll also try to clear up one or two points that are often misunderstood. We'll get back to Venus in a moment, but first I'm going to do a very rough, very shallow explanation about the carbon dioxide levels in our atmosphere. There is already ample material on the subject, and some of you may already know a fair amount as it is. It is a subject, however, that's vital to sustainability, so we can't exactly ignore it. We'll dive into the psychology and reasons for climate change denial in, in later episodes, uh, but in this one I just want to gloss over the science with my own brand of unique, broken explanations and analogies. The planet shares many similarities to the human body. There are many complicated and sophisticated systems working together to maintain balance and allow life to thrive. Your body is host to trillions of cells, both human cells and bacterial cells that share a mutual relationship. Yum! All living together in harmony when everything is working as it should. The planet Earth is very similar. There is a massive amount of different factors all coming together to make this planet suitable for all the life forms on it as well. One of these processes is maintaining the balance of greenhouse gases. Carbon gases are greenhouse gases, which means they have the ability to warm the planet when present, and the planet cools when they're less present. The planet basically inhales and exhales these gases through a series of processes. Everything from tectonic activity resulting in eruptions, uh, trees and other plant life, marine life such as phytoplankton, they all work together to maintain an amount of carbon dioxide suitable for life on Earth. To be more precise, this amount of CO2 makes it suitable for current life. Our planet has already survived five mass extinctions in its history, which is when the overwhelming majority of life is wiped off the face of the planet. What is hostile to one type of life becomes ideal for other types of life. Now, us clever little humans, we've interrupted this process by adding far more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere than the planet has ever seen. This has caused an overall warming of the planet, which is causing an otherwise fairly stable climate to become much more chaotic. To clarify, climate refers to long-term weather patterns. Global warming does not mean that everywhere is going to have balmy beach weather, as nice as that may be for some. It adds warm air, which causes chaos to our otherwise stable climate. Hence the term climate change, and we've known about climate change and global warming for decades. To further clarify, we're not worried about causing another mass extinction, we are in the middle of a mass extinction. It might be difficult to believe, but this is happening all around us every day. So back to Venus. The reason Venus is so hot is due to a runaway greenhouse effect, the exact same effect that's causing climate change here on Earth. Venus is a bit of an over-exaggerated example of this effect, given its average surface temperature is about 400 degrees Celsius. That's about 900 degrees Fahrenheit for my American friends. But it still illustrates the concept quite well. Essentially, we're using our planet as a giant science experiment. 
there are so many variables that it becomes difficult to make projections on the damage already caused and the damage that will be caused. Some of the things happening, such as the thawing of large ice sheets in the North and South Poles, and the melting permafrost can cause even further compounding of this problem and accelerate it. When we make goals to keep global temperatures below a 1 or 2 degree increase, such as international treaties that are signed like the Paris Agreement in 2016, we're making guesses. We don't have another planet to examine that has undergone the same events with the same variables. And although computer simulations can be very helpful, it's important to bear in mind that it would be almost impossible for a computer to account for every single variable. So these simulations are educated guesses at best. Really, any increase in CO2 levels is less than ideal. Now, sometimes when someone hears that, it can have the unintended effect of calling everything else into question. It's not an unfair question to say, if your projections are educated guesses, then how can we trust what you say about climate change or sustainability in general? Are you guessing about that too? To answer this question, I'm going to use a different analogy. The service intervals on a typical gasoline car. Now I realize there's different service intervals uh, since engines are approved upon every year, so these intervals tend to get a bit longer, but let's just pick the old school number of roughly 5,000 kilometers or 3,000 miles for when you should do your oil change. It's recommended that you do your oil changes to prevent premature wear and eventual damage to your engine. If you were not to do the oil change when you're supposed to, could the mechanic tell you exactly when the wear would occur or when you would experience a catastrophic failure? Of course not. Now I've seen some cars come in that had not had an oil change in over 30,000 kilometers and the car was still running. Had some amount of damage and premature wear already happened inside the engine? More than likely. But this person could have made the argument that an oil change is a ripoff and a lie since their car was running still pretty well fine. Listen friend, I can't tell you when the engine will blow up. They don't teach us that in school. They only teach us that they will eventually blow up. There are way too many variables from your driving style, outside conditions, type of oil, how the engine was built, how it was designed, and so on for me be to be able to tell. But I assure you, there is no doubt in my mind that your car requires an oil change. I do remember one during my employment that was around 80,000 kilometers and hadn't had an oil change. When it came in, it wasn't running. It had gone boom. Our planet's not much different. No computer model, howsoever sophisticated, can make accurate predictions. At least to the point that we would need them to be. There are too many variables, and quite frankly, the only planet we've studied to any usable degree in this scenario is our own. The only thing known for sure is, is some damage has occurred and will continue to occur until we take the appropriate steps to start addressing it. Basically what I'm trying to say is, the maintenance on your car is much like sustainability on the planet. And just like your scheduled maintenance, it's difficult to predict exactly how much damage has been done or exactly when the catastrophic failure will occur. Scientists provide best educated guesses, much like mechanics. Many are saying even the targets we're setting for limits on greenhouse gas emissions may not be aggressive enough. Now, as a mechanic, if someone did bring in a car that has been neglected, I'd tell them not to give up, as tempting as it may be for some. There are a few things we can try and do to mitigate the damage, but the thing that needs to change is the way you've been maintaining it. Same goes for the planet. And with that, I think that's enough lecturing for the day. Cheers. Thanks for listening. As always, please share and forward this podcast. The first step towards realistic sustainability is knowledge and discussion. And this can't happen without everyone's input. Please send any questions, comments, or insults to viableunderdogs at gmail.com. 
Our intro music is composed by Mark Kronowski, and the music currently playing by Jonathan Atkinson. We intend to get a website up and running in the near future. Until then, if you'd like to learn more about the solar system in space, I highly recommend the Crash Course Astronomy channel starring Phil Plate on YouTube.